a trusted voice of truth and light. The narratives that mislead most of us aren't outright lies. They're the deliberate omission of facts that could give us a more complete picture. And a rally point for those who've accepted the reality that they are not sheep. The world needs your leadership, and the essence of leadership is using your influence wisely wherever you happen to be standing. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Hey, welcome to the show. I just want to give a quick shout-out to our sponsors. They include firesteel.com. Also want to thank our friends at uh, staplesmortgage.com. That's the Staples-Turner team at Patriot Home Mortgage. I'll be telling you a little bit more about both of these sponsors a little bit later on this hour. And I just all I ask is if you find yourself in need of their services or you know somebody who could benefit from them, please let them know that this message has reached your ears. Tell, you know, tell your friend or call them yourselves and do business with them. Just let them know that uh, this is a way that they can effectively reach people because I'm here to uh, I'm here to evangelize for them. This is the cool thing. I I can be picky. And and I, I do choose to be picky when it comes to, you know, who I will, uh, who I'll evangelize for, you know, as a sponsor on my show. And because I'm picky, I only go with people that uh, that I believe in, products that I believe in. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, Planned Parenthood could come to me with, you know, a, a very large check and say, hey, would you show for us? Nope. Sorry. That's uh, that's just non-negotiable. So with that said, let's dive right in. You know, I, we, we have a little saying at our house, and it's something I stole from uh, Young Frankenstein many, many years ago. If you remember, Dr. Frankenstein and Igor, I'm sorry, Igor, are uh, robbing a body from a grave. And, you know, Dr. Frankenstein says, oh, what a horrible, filthy job. And Igor says, could be worse. How? Could be raining. And, of course, then there's a thunderclap and the rain starts to pour. So that's kind of our answer. Whenever something is, is not going great, you know, we always just say, well, it could be worse, could be raining. It's often funniest when it is raining or snowing or something like that. But I look at the COVID lockdowns, and this is the part I don't get. In the last hour, I talked with Eric Peters, and he says, yeah, look, you know, the counts are up. What does that actually tell us, though? Other than, okay, we're counting more cases, but what does that mean? Are more people dying? Are, are more hospitals being overwhelmed? Are, are more people being, you know, placed on ventilators or otherwise permanently, you know, disabled due to COVID-19? See, we're just left to kind of free associate that for ourselves. And, and maybe that's why uh, at least one poll is showing more Americans right now than even three or four months ago say that they are more scared of, of coronavirus than they were then. Now, maybe I'm just a conspiracy nut. Maybe I'm totally wrong for thinking this, but I think it's because we have been dialed into fear delivery systems that are broadcasting this fear toward us 24-7. That's very discouraging. But then I look around and I look at the shutdowns. I look at the things that are going, all the political footballs being tossed back and forth regarding COVID-19 here in America. And I think could be worse, could be Melbourne, Australia. And to illustrate that, I want you to hear this chief commissioner of the police there describing what enforcement looks like in Melbourne, Australia. And as tough as we may have it, uh, Jeffrey Tucker refers to this as this is what it's like to descend into a tyrannical hell. Put yourself into their shoes and listen to what the citizenry is being called upon to do in Melbourne. Even as deaths are falling 
but perhaps case numbers are rising. Here's how their authorities responded. The vast majority of people are doing the right thing, and for those who are, I thank you, but there is still a, a minority who aren't. We've um, given out a significant range of infringements. As the Minister has outlined, 161 last night, 60 of those were for mask, um, for not wearing masks. And from our perspective, though, the people, the vast majority who are doing the right thing need to understand for those who aren't, there is a consequence. And there are consequences, and I want to be really clear on that. In the last week, we've seen a trend, an emergence, if you like, of groups of people, small groups, but nonetheless concerning groups who classify themselves as sovereign citizens, whatever that might mean, uh, people who don't think the law applies to them. We've seen them at checkpoints, baiting police, um, not providing their name and address. On at least three or four occasions in the past week, we've had to smash the windows of people in cars and pull them out of there so they could provide their details because they weren't telling us where they were going. They weren't adhering to the Chief Health Officer guidelines. They weren't providing their name and their address. We don't want to be doing that, but people have to absolutely understand there are consequences for your actions, and if you're not doing the right thing, we will not hesitate to issue infringements, to arrest you, to detain you where it's appropriate. As I say, it's not something we want to be doing, but it is what we will do, and it has been occurring in the last week. And particularly one incident, if I like to highlight the type of challenges uh, that, um, that we're experiencing. Last night, a 26-year-old policewoman was on patrol with another partner uh, down in the Frankston area near the Bayside Shopping Centre. During that time, they approached a 38-year-old woman who wasn't wearing a mask. After a confrontation and being assaulted by that woman, those police officers went to ground and there was a scuffle. And during that scuffle, this 38-year-old woman um, hit the head, smashed the head of the policewoman several times into a concrete area on the ground. That behaviour is just totally unacceptable. That's someone who thinks they're above the law, they're not wearing a mask, they're approached and they're asked their reason why not, and then to react like that is just completely over the top. It's this type of irresponsible behaviour that we're going to address. That woman was taken back to the police station. She was charged with significant offences and bailed due to no criminal history. But nonetheless, it just goes to show how these things escalate from non-adherence to the smallest things. The message is clear from me, and it's simple. We want you to stay at home. That's what the Chief Health Officer wants you to do. We expect you to, adhere, you to adhere to the Chief Health Officer guidelines. If you don't, we will be enforcing those. We will issue infringements. We will arrest you. We will detain you where we have to. We now have significant new, um, if you like, infringement, um, not powers, but in, in penalties in the infringements. And for those who are not at home when they should be, when they should be self-isolating, when they should be quarantining, and we conduct those checks, we'll issue those infringements. And on that second occasion, you may well get a $5,000 infringement. They're significant penalties. And so the expectation is the consequences are there for you and you must adhere. Um, having said that, the Minister has outlined briefly a number of, uh, if you like, breaches that occurred last night, and they continue to occur. Over the weekend, we saw Airbnb parties. Clearly, that's not acceptable. We saw people last night, someone who was driving to a bottle shop at three in the morning to get alcohol. 
that's not acceptable. We saw people going to McDonald's, coming back from McDonald's after getting some burgers. That is not acceptable. There are consequences. We will enforce them, and the window of discretion is virtually closed. Okay. How you doing? They make you feel good, or does that make you feel like, wow, what what decisive leadership our friends in uh, Melbourne, Australia, are are showing in leading out here? It, it's it's sickening. I mean, for put yourself in in the shoes of of those people. There, they are on what's called, I believe, level four lockdown. I don't know what level five is. Maybe they just gather everybody up and bus them to prison. This is where you're going to stay until we've got you all, you know, isolated properly. Here's the thing. Do those lockdowns work? The data that I'm seeing says no. There is no data that shows conclusively, but this is saving lives. These are mandates that are handed down by generally unelected health officials and enforced by enforcers like this police commissioner. And they don't spare the the force. I mean, you know, smashing out people's windows, dragging them out of their cars. Why? Because they didn't give us their contact information. And, you know, we're trying to do contact tracing. Okay, whatever. All I'm saying is when you create mandates by decree, not even by legislation, but just by some decree, executive order or whatever, and then you force behavior, it never ends well. Free people will not stand for it. You can try and deride them as well. That's sovereign citizens, whatever that means. And Okay, you know, call them names if you want. But thank goodness there are still some people who have the backbone and the testicular fortitude to say no when something unreasonable is being demanded of them. You can't even go to McDonald's. That is not allowed. And we will tell you when you can and can't come out of your house and whatever. It just ratchets up the tension. It just means that there is going to be more tension and more conflict down the road, not to mention people, you know, facing fines and also, uh, you know, facing legal consequences over something that has in no way victimized anybody. They simply haven't obeyed some official decree. This is this is the essence of a malaprohibita policy. It's not even a law. But the police there are treating it as if it were. And sadly, we have examples of this even here in America, but maybe not to that extent. Look, I don't know at what point you would draw the line and say, no, I didn't consent. I'm not going to give my consent and I'm not going to obey. They're going to tell you you're selfish. They're going to tell you why you're out of step. They're going to want to shame you and punish you and make you conform. Please be strong. Let your courage be contagious. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. All right, welcome back to the show. Just want to take a quick time out here and say hi to one of our sponsors. That is the Staples-Turner team at Patriot Home Mortgage. This is a little mortgage company started in St. George, Utah. Now it is 23 states strong. And if you are looking for a new purchase loan, maybe you want to do a refinance, you talk to my friend John and his wife Heather, and they will get the job done for you. They're very competitive. They can save you money. You can go to staplesmortgage.com. That's staplesmortgage.com. And please mention that you heard me talk about them. 
Let them know their message reached your ears. Let's go to the phone, 801-331-8113. My friend Sam is standing by in Missouri. Hi, Sam. Hey, it's good to talk to you, Brian. As always, a um, couple of things. Don't think they may not try this here in the United States. There's already uh, several articles I've run into online uh, regarding uh, um, some official with the Federal Reserve that was on. Of course, what? first of all, my business, my question is, what does the Federal Reserve have to do any business with, with health? But anyway, uh, was on Deface the Nation the other day saying we need a, a hard lockdown here for at least, at least six weeks to... to um, to control the spread of the virus, as it were, and um, and I'm still running into people around here that we're having to constantly, you know, try to get them to quit drinking the fear sauce around here. But boy, I'll tell you what, the fear sauce is working, and how to get everybody to get out of get their faces out of that mainstream media long enough to get their heads screwed on straight is beyond me. But here's another interesting one I thought I'd run by you. This. Um, this came, in fact, it ran on uh, USA Network, on uh, your network on Friday, and you might have missed it, I don't know, but it was on Friday, in which um, they're saying, be aware of disinformation specialists online, you know, referring to the doctors, you know, the, the frontline doctors that were out there. And the desperation in the uh, article was that um, uh, any of us out here that are spreading an alternative view of what's going on with the virus, we're now considered... Russian agents. They're going back. They're pulling the Russia thing out of the hat again. And I'm I'm thinking, first of all, USA Network would have been the last place I would have heard this a couple of years ago. But either somebody bought them out or something, because now they're just spewing the same garbage uh, that everybody else is spewing, just like CNN and everybody else. Wow. Somebody is really determined that we don't stray from the narrative that they want us to follow. Yeah. Yeah, in fact, I, I I saved that clip back. That's how, because see, I I record a lot of the shows that we run here for later playback during the night, and uh, that news break came up right in the middle of the. In fact, I think it was right in the middle of your broadcast, and I was going through. I I, I told Trish, I said, I got to save that back, and so I went through and I found it and I cut it out of the file and saved it back, and it, it's so outlandish. I. I I got a half a mind to run that clip on my radio show on Sunday night when I do my broadcast because it's just so, so off the wall. But I'm telling you, they are gearing up for a quote-unquote hard lockdown, and I'm hoping that the public will not buy into this. But with the way they're buying into the masks and everything else, again, like you were, like you were saying earlier, where does it stop? You either... You're going to have to find a line in the sand, or you're just going to wind up going ahead and taking the vaccines and everything else hook, line, and sinker. If you allow them to mandate all this stuff, then you're going to allow them to uh, mandate a vaccine on you that you have no idea what's in. Um, And put everybody on notice that the pharmaceutical industry is actually waived from all liability should you become injured by a vaccine. In fact, there's, um, there's been executives bragging about it already. It's been in the news. Um, that they are um, they are not liable for anything that happens to you if you take the vaccines. So keep that in mind, and wow. um, that's all I got, Brian. Okay, Sam, thanks so much for the call. Look, here's the, here's the bottom line. There is a line in the sand that's being drawn, and if you wait 
until it is standing on your doorstep saying, yes, we are here to swab you and, you know, get the information of who have you been around and whatnot. If you wait until that moment to try to decide, okay, am I going to pass or am I going to play? It's too late. Now, this is not a call for you to become some radical or anything like that, although you're going to be called a radical. Here's here's the funny thing. You can't stand up for your natural rights. You can't stand up for legitimate limitations on government power without being demonized. And if you think the mask thing is uncomfortable, if you think, well, gee, people are accosting me, they're giving me dirty looks and people shouting at me. I mean, the Burrito Brothers, if you haven't seen that video, I mean, a, a couple of guys sitting there eating their breakfast burritos and they're not wearing masks. They're out in public. They're not close to anybody. But here comes, you know, Karen and her, her boyfriend walking by and Karen goes off on them. And they exchange a few words, but I mean, the bottom line is really, Karen, you could have just kept walking. You have your mask on. You're protected. Just use your getaway sticks and walk on down the road. But she didn't. Instead, she throws hot coffee on one of the guys who then gets up and rightly pummels her and her boyfriend. I don't know what gets into people's heads that makes them think, well, I have a right to uh, accost you and injure you and and assault you because you're not doing what I think you should be doing. It's not going to get easier. And I don't know what to tell you other than, you know, doing the right thing has never, uh, to my knowledge, been a product of, oh, yeah, that's always the easiest thing to do. You know, when it comes to a choice between wrong and right, yeah, the right thing's always going to be the easy thing to do. It seldom is. And especially if you have to stand alone against the crowd and it's just getting tougher, but somebody needs to do it. And I'm grateful for those who are willing to lead by example. I think Eric Peters, who I had on the show last hour, a great example of someone who's willing to put his money where his mouth is, take his business somewhere else if necessary. And sometimes that means turning his back on on people, you know, business proprietors he's known for decades But how precious are your principles? How willing are you to suffer for your beliefs? That's a question you got to ask before you find yourself in the moment of decision. Back to the phone. Caller, welcome to the show. Thank you for taking my call, Brian. I appreciate it. And um, I I think um, one uh, thought um, would help to add to um, our, our knowledge of what's going on here um, it's not just in England. It, it is here, too. And, and if we think back, um, some safety commissioner or whatever he, his job title is went to uh, Musk and was trying to shut down the uh, Tesla plant. And he said, I'm on the floor. If you're going to arrest anybody, arrest me first, not my workers. And I think right. he's pulling his business out of California. And there was a woman, a hair salonist. Um, and and also two gentlemen with a uh, gymnasium or exercise um, facility. I mean, I mean, they the, these people are really coming down hard on business owners. It's it's been happening already here. This is one of the reasons why I find myself more and more opposed to the idea of business licensure because it just becomes an additional uh, form of leverage over people who have to go to the government hat in hand and, you know, mother, father, may I do this? 
And it's 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 sad. And I think that's why a lot of the mask enforcement is going on at some of these businesses right now. We just don't want the government to come down on us because we're not enforcing these mandates. Well, they they just go too far. I mean, originally, you know, we registered our cars because people were stealing them, you know, but now it's gotten to the point. I mean, now we have to register our boats, our trailers, our ATVs. Um, you know, pretty soon we're going to have to register our shoes and our pants and our shirt. <laughs> I, I think you're right. It's probably not far off. Ray, thank you for your call. This is the part that I find most disturbing. Is it's I've always understood that not everybody values their freedom at the same level that uh, that I do or that maybe you do. But the crazy thing to me is not only do people seem to take their freedoms very lightly, but their readiness to give them up, their willingness to submit and surrender them has become a sign of virtue. How on earth did we get there? This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. All right, welcome back to the show. 801-331-8113 is the number. I'm feeling just a little bit fired up, and it's probably because uh, I'm, I'm just... I'm sick of watching people get backed into a corner. And I think it's high time that, uh, that we peacefully but firmly tell them no thanks. And, and there's nothing wrong with doing There's nothing selfish with doing that. But we're being led to believe that that's, uh, that's the worst thing you could possibly do. And it seems to me that one of the things that we are far overdue for right now is a separation of health care and state. Jacob Hornberger has a great article. I'm going to include it in the show notes today, which you can find at thebrianhydeshow.com, in which he talks about how among the greatest achievements of our American ancestors was the separation of church and state. In fact, he says among the greatest things Americans today could accomplish would be the same thing with health care. Imagine if the Americans who founded our country had instead implemented a system based on government control, management, provision and regulation of religion both at the federal and the state level he says today there'd be all sorts of criticisms being leveled at president trump and congress governors mayors and legislative bodies about how they're mismanaging the crisis within the churches but he says imbued with a deeply deferential mindset some people would support whatever federal state and officials were doing to resolve the crisis Others would have vehement disagreements over what officials were doing. They would be criticizing and condemning the plans and steps that officials were implementing to resolve the crisis. And they'd be exasperated that officials weren't adopting their plans for resolving the crisis. Now, he says our ancestors' solution was to simply remove religious decisions entirely from the purview of federal officials. Later, thanks to the 14th Amendment, state officials also were barred from involving themselves in matters of religion. So he says, notice... No one is criticizing federal and state officials for their missteps in managing, regulating, providing, or interfering with religious matters. And that's because the power to manage, regulate, provide, and interfere with religious matters has been totally removed from federal and state governments. And he says that's exactly what we need to do in the area of health care. That way people would no longer involve themselves in endless debate over the mistakes that officials make to resolve health care crises. 
health care issues would be left entirely to freedom and the free market, just like religious matters are. So he says, in the midst of the coronavirus crisis, Americans today would be wise to think at a higher level, kind of like the people back in the late 1700s were doing when the country was being established. He says, I propose the following amendment to the Constitution. Neither the federal nor state governments shall provide, manage, or regulate health care or abridge the free exercise thereof. I think it's an idea whose time has come. And I think uh, for anyone paying attention, once you combine authority with a little bit of medical science, mischief isn't going to be too far behind. All right, back to the phone caller. Welcome to the show. Hi there. Hello. Well, I'll get to my point, but the other point I'd like to make what you just read, that's probably not true anymore because the Supreme Court has ruled twice now, which I disagree with the word ruling, but anyway, their opinion is that the states have the right to keep churches shut down, so it is turned over to a federal issue now. Um, can I can I offer some clarification? Because I, I had the chance to pick the brain of, of a, a great legal scholar earlier today, uh, particularly on the one about the state of Nevada um, being uh, you know being sued by churches saying, "Hey, you can't you can't regulate us, or you can't tell us that we can't have more than this many participants when you know you're letting the casinos operate at fifty percent capacity." In other words, it's showing favoritism. And the Supreme Court decision not to hear that case, as I understand it was mainly because it was an emergency petition. It's it's not that there was no standing. It's just that they said in this instance, this probably wouldn't be an appropriate remedy, which made me feel a tiny bit better, but still leaves the problem in place. Well, they did in California, too. Yeah. Anyway, I refuse to wear a mask. One, I have asthma. And two, I, I'm just not going to do this mask nonsense. One of our places said, well, wear a bandana. I said, that's symbolism over substance. Now, I've been trying to fight the vote for about a week. And I've had one hell of a fight with the St. Louis County government down here. I have a letter of exemption from their health department that says if you have a breathing uh, condition, you're exempt from wearing a mask. Well, the Board of Elections refuses to recognize that letter. So we've been going around and around and around with this thing for all week. So allegedly they said they have curbside voting. Okay, great. We pull up to the library. Now, here's the funny part. There's nobody outside. You have to go inside and show them your ID. Then they'll come out and help you. I'm like, so I'm already in the location now without a mask. Now, how dumb is this? Wow. And my argument is if you have a mask, quote, wouldn't that protect you against me? Which I had the same argument. If you get the shot and I don't, then you're protected from me, right? You would Apparently. think, yeah. And I just refuse to give it on this mask store. Just refuse. And so far, Sam's and Walmart talked to the manager, and they said, can you come in during senior hours? I said, okay, that's fine. And I do, and I get what I want, and I'm happy, and they leave me alone. And they're both of the greeters, they know me. Hey, Ron. Hey, Misty, two without a mask, medical, they're happy. You know, we get what we want, so. And that letter, I presume you've seen the letter going around by, I know Chris Hanall has got one, Kate Daly. That, that is not from the Justice Department. And if you call that number on that letter, it goes to the DOJ, and they said that letter is not written by them, not authorized by them, and they have made no recommendation about mask at all as being ADA or not ADA. So I have found it much better to not try to use that letter to talk to the managers and the stores themselves. 
And so far, I've only had two small places, and their mom and pop things that refuse to let me in. I'm like, you've been out of work for eight to ten weeks. We've been loyal customers for years, and this is how you're going to treat us? I'm like, really? So we've just found other places to go to. Brian, my attitude is, if you don't want to see me now, you don't want to see me when this is over, because I'm not going to do business with you. Yeah, I know a lot of people who are, are feeling exactly the same way. And, Ron, thank you so much for the call. Um, it's a tough decision. And I, I'm grateful for people like Ron and others who will go and and, and at least try it. One, one of the best suggestions I've heard in the last week was, you know, when, when someone asks you, you know, do you have your mask or could, where's your mask? You'll need a mask to come in here. Instead of giving them, if you don't have it like a legit medical exemption, if, if you know, some people say, well, I have a medical exemption just to say it, you know, get them off your back. But uh, sometimes the direct approach can work, too. And you can simply say, I mean, you put it back in their court and say, I don't want to wear a mask because I'm opposed to wearing one. Do I have your permission to come in? And they may well tell you no, but at least you're you're addressing the elephant in the room. You're putting the ball back in their court and, and not doing this dance of, uh, well, I'm going to pretend that I have, you know, this exemption. If you, if you don't, really, tell them what you're really thinking. I don't want to wear a mask. I'm opposed to this mandate. Do I have your permission to come in? And sometimes, not every time, but sometimes they will actually soften what they're, they're doing. And just because they're, I don't know, maybe they're relieved that somebody's being straight with them. I've seen the same phenomenon, by the way, when a police officer pulls you over and says, you know, do you know how fast you were going? And if you're honest, you just say, you got me. I thought I could roll through that yellow light, but it was definitely changed. And I don't know what I was thinking. You got me. I know every defense attorney will tell you, don't ever say that. But sometimes they are so, I don't know if relieved is the right word, but just surprised to see somebody being honest. They'll cut you some slack. Just a just a thought. Back to the phone. Caller, welcome to the show. Heidelde Ho, neighborino. Okay, moving on. So I've got another article that I want to share with you. We're going to be up on the break here in just a few moments. Um, I want to talk about wokeness. I don't even really like the word, but but since we live in a very woke society and everybody's competing to show I'm more woke than thee, you know, the, the you know, Sports, professional sports are all about, oh, look, he's wearing the Black Lives Matter jersey. Oh, look, they took a knee. Oh, look, everybody's involved here. Corporate America, they are all over this. But did you ever stop to think that maybe wokeness is a product of Marxism? It's got all the right elements. It's got all the the special aspects of cultural Marxism. Now, for those who aren't familiar, cultural Marxism is probably the more accurate description for what we normally would call political correctness. And it goes by a lot of different uh, variants these days. There's critical theory, there's intersectionality and so forth. It's just grown and grown and metastasized. But at the roots of what's going on is a Marxist philosophy. And it's not just a matter of, oh, they're all a bunch of commies and I see commies under every bush and around every rock. Okay, this is this is not a case of of a communist conspiracy so much as just the methods of Marxism are what are being used. And once you spot those, it's pretty hard not to uh, recognize when it's at play, whether it's group manipulation techniques or just simply isolating, shaming people, forcing them to have a struggle session of some sort. 
you know, to to come to terms with what they're supposed to believe. But it all comes down to pitting one group against another group. Class warfare, that was what Marx was all about. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. All right, welcome back to the show. Want to give a brief mention to uh, firesteel.com. This is one of our sponsors. Now, I know you're a preparedness-minded individual, or at least you, you most likely have in the back of your mind, yes, we are prepared. We have, you know, all the things we need to uh, have light and heat and so forth. But if you don't have the ability to make a fire under any weather conditions, you're missing out on something super important. And their fire steels, again, firesteel.com, are extremely high quality. Now, that doesn't mean that they're excessively expensive. They're not cheapies, but you get what you pay for. And best of all, we're talking, you know, one, I've got the gobspark here in front of me. This this has these incredible rare earth minerals and this incredible striker all in one easy package and takes the place of roughly 15,000 individual matches. And it works when it's wet. Yeah. So take a look at it. Go to firesteel.com. They have lots of demos on their website. It's it's a simple piece of kit that should be in any 72-hour kit, your travel kit, whatever it may be. Get yourself a few. Give them as gifts. You won't be sorry that you did. And when you absolutely positively need to have a fire, by gar, you'll have one. All right, let's open up the phones again, 801-331-8113. Hi there. Welcome to the show. Yeah, go ahead. You're on the air. Oh, okay. I didn't, I didn't hear that buzz or anything. But, uh, you know, I really don't like to get people <clears throat> to refute the uh, so-called specialists, but I just tell them to ask them about the six points in nature that are deleterious or restrictive in the uh, existence and the transmission of these organisms that they so-called, you know, the so-called viruses. Number one, how do they deal with sunlight? Number two, how do they deal with oxygen? How do they deal with the cosmic particles, which uh, passes through every bit of space out in the environment? How do they deal with caustic salts or salts? How do they deal with acids? How do they deal with lysozymes? Those six factors prevent these organisms from surviving outside of a protective fomite, and when I say fomite, I'm not thinking about your fingerprint on a counter or or anything other than a very large quantity of fat, blood, and tissue that these organisms actually target and survive in. And unless you're spitting a wad of goo at your, you know, your friend or family member, these organisms do not survive in the environment, not even in droplets, because the droplets you're spewing are the chemistry of your immune system. And the primary action of your immune system in that mucus or spit is to lice, to break, to cut, i.e. that similarity in the term lysol. Well, your saliva is a very mild lysol, believe it or not. Okay. So by the time these organisms have been... You know, expelled from your lungs, come up your, through your trachea. They've been in that saliva for enough time for them to be castrated or destroyed totally. Uh, 
use that term castrated as a metaphor. They can be whittling, maybe have some energy, but they don't have energy to multiply. Now, would this apply to viruses as well or just... uh... That applies to all of the pathogens. Okay. Viruses, bacteria, parasites, mycoplasma, plasmodium, everything that we consider is pathogenic. I feel like we just got a really good, uh, you know, lesson here in immunology. And and even though you were using, you know, a fair amount of, you know, 50 and 75 cent words, I appreciate it. Thank you so much for the call. I'm going to shift gears here for a moment. I want to uh, I want to share with you some thoughts from Jarrett Stepman. Just because I know that the chances of you encountering wokeness are just about 100 percent. You're more likely to encounter woke individuals Some of them, you know, because of the COVID-19 thing and others because of uh, other pressing matters. I just, you know, had a discussion going earlier today on Facebook with a friend who has discovered the wokeness of. uh, Did you know that there were injustices done to black people and slaves earlier in American history? Now, of course, there's probably some being done today. Uh, What we don't talk about is a lot of those are being done by other blacks, particularly when you get into, you know, some of the inner city settings. But wokeness is a thing. And, and for people who have recently discovered it, it's very important that they, they signal, you know, look how woke I am, how much I understand, how much I empathize. It's not a bad thing to empathize with authentic injustice. I'm not so sure, though, that it's a good thing to sit and wallow in things that were long ago solved by different people in different times, which makes me wonder, well, is, is there some kind of an agenda that's attached to this? Jared Stepman says, wokeness has become the nomenclature for the ideology or mentality of radical leftist activists on college campuses, at protests, and on social media. But he says, wokeness has not been limited to just a handful of activists. It's becoming a dominant mindset in the American workplace, both in the public and private sectors, as a method to promote, quote, anti-racism. A Heritage Foundation panel on July 24th addressed first what wokeness actually is, but also how it has crept into corporate boardrooms and why it's such a problem. Angela Saylor, vice president of the Fulner Institute at the Heritage Foundation, said that pervasive trends under the guise of equality makes diversity training in government and corporate America and schools destructive, divisive and harmful. Now, just as a quick aside, I bet there are some of you within the sound of my voice who've had to sit through some kind of diversity training, probably within the last month or two. And and tell me, was that diversity training essentially sitting down and being told all the ways that uh, you, if you're a white person, are privileged and therefore bad? Because that's what a lot of it consists of. The article from Jarrett Stepman says James Lindsay, co-author of a forthcoming book, Cynical Theories, How Activist Scholarship Made Everything About Race, Gender, and Identity, and Why This Harms Everybody, says wokeness is actually a combination of many different ideas. Wokeness is a fusion of the critical theory school of neo-Marxism, which is a form of identity politics, and radical activism that has a very particular worldview that separates the world into liberationists versus oppressors or oppressed versus oppressors, said Lindsay, whose book is set for release August 25th. It marries, that Lindsay said, with postmodern theory, which holds all applications of truth are actually applications of politics by other means. In other words, the truth is malleable, based on power and who drives the narrative of what truth really is. In effect, the truth is replaced by my truth. 
Marxism is a mostly economic theory with origins in the 19th century. Those ideas, he said, led to some of the worst atrocities in world history. Traditional Marxist ideas were adopted but changed in the 1920s by Italian communist Antonio Gramsci and others and became the project of the Frankfurt School of Critical Theory. That new theory focused more on shaping culture. Lindsay said marrying traditional Marxism with Freudian psychology and other social theories to change the way people think. The goal of postmodernists who were part of that movement was to deconstruct the very meanings of things, said Lindsay. Those ideas reached a new phase with the writings of Herbert Marcuse, a Columbia University professor in the 60s and 70s, who advocated radical activism based on identity politics. But this radicalism burned out, Lindsay said, because its violence ultimately made it unpopular. The radicals then left the streets and embedded themselves in our schools and universities. Lindsay said it has all of the conflict theory, separate the world into oppressor versus oppressed classes with zero-sum conflict. No ability to agree or understand one another across those, and then takes on the postmodern understanding of truth being just politics by other means, which removes all of the breaks standing up against it. So Jared Stepman says seeing the world through that lens, that's what constitutes wokeness. Mike Gonzalez, a senior fellow at the Heritage Foundation and author of the new book, The Plot to Change America, how Identity Politics is Dividing the Land of the Free, explained how these ideas entered the workplace under the guise of combating racism and why they're so toxic. Gonzalez said anti-racism training is a con. These consultants get paid exorbitant amounts of money. Often those fees come from taxpayer funds. And though many of the advocates of wokeness are con artists, Gonzalez said we have to take them seriously because there's a strong ideological component to it. The true name of anti-racism training is consciousness-raising struggle sessions. It's used to demolish what's called the hegemonic narrative, which in simpler terms, Gonzalez said, is simply the American story, the American dream, the promise of liberty and prosperity that have attracted about 100 million immigrants from all over the world from 1850 to the present. Now, Gonzalez said it's essential to inform other Americans of the transformation taking place and to warn them of the radical changes to come if these ideas are not stopped. Gonzalez said the more we write about this, the more we expose people to what has taken place, to why, who did it, how they did it, and what their real goal is here, we can start to demolish this idea that, no, this is nice because people need justice. He says, let's be really honest and without rancor in our hearts, just expose them. Sunshine can be a great disinfectant. Let's really allow in the light and expose this for what it is. Again, I'll have the links in the show notes. You'll find them at thebrianheidshow.com. Thanks for being part of our audience today. This is The Brian Hyde Show.